from the book of Revelation, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, saints. Ha uh, gotcha. You know, it's an old saying that everybody needs a hero. Everyone needs a hero. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be the six million dollar man. Remember that? The six million dollar, Steve Austin, right? He could leap over buildings and fight Sasquatch with his bare hands. You know, and then of course there was Jamie Summer, Farrah Fawcett, his girlfriend, and of course it was also, you know, um, Wonder Woman and all that, but, and of course I was 10, so kind of had a crush on all of them, but, the, I, but really, I wanted to be Steve Austin. He was brave, he was courageous, and most importantly, and this is the point for today, Steve Austin had been in a plane crash, I think, or maybe he was a test pilot or something. Anyway, some way he was really injured, almost died, in fact, maybe he did die, and they brought him back, but the point was they put Steve Austin back together, the bionic man, remember that? He'd been through suffering, he'd been through brokenness, literally, and with the help of a team of scientists from the CIA, or who knows, he was victorious. We can rebuild him. Remember that? Now, if you're wondering why in the world I'm talking about the bionic man on All Saints Day, it's because, well, the $6 million man is actually a pretty good illustration of the lives of the saints in the church. Ordinary men and women who suffered always tremendously in this life, but yet they were put back together, not by a team of scientists and the CIA, but they were put back together by Jesus, the Son of God. They were put back together and made stronger, faster. We can rebuild him. Remember that? We call these people saints, and we're going to talk about saints today. And we're going to talk about saints with three points. And, it's a bit, and these are important, and I hope I get you thinking a little bit, because it's supposed to. Three points this morning. What is a saint? What is a saint? What does that mean? Uh, secondly, where exactly are said saints? Where are they? And what are they doing? So what is a saint? Where are they? And what are they doing? You ready? All right, so what is a saint? I asked my uh, staff, we, on Tuesdays we have a staff meeting at 10 o'clock, and every uh, Tuesday uh, we have a Bible study prior to the staff meeting, and I, I throw out a question to my staff about what's going on. I asked them, you know, without overly thinking, describe a saint for me, and they said things which you'd probably say, holy and kind, soft-spoken, you know, most people would say that saints are the kind of people that we know we should be like and we know we're supposed to admire, but you know, deep down inside, we probably think of them as a little bit, a little weird, right? Give you an example. Billy Joel's famous song, Only the Good Die Young, which if you go back, I go back and listen to it now as a, as a man with teenage girls, and uh, go back and listen to the song. It's a song about a teenage boy, I presume a teenage boy, who uh, says to Virginia, a Catholic girl, come out, come out, Virginia, don't let them wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. I'll leave that to your imagination, exactly what he's talking about, but Billy Jill, no keen intellectual, 
He's making precisely my point, that piano man does. And his point is this, that most people look at saints as maybe, uh, yeah, maybe they're nice and they're kind and they're mild-mannered, but reality is most people think of them as being sort of overly sheltered and overly protected. And if you really press them, naive, goody little two-shoes. And what these naive, goody little two-shoes really need is a glimpse of the real world. Come on, Billy Joel, you're wrong. And by the way, when he says, I'd rather laugh with the, I'd rather la- um, laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints, that's a stupid thing to say. There is, no, there is no lying. There's no laughing in hell, scoffing, mocking, derision, but no joy. We're going to talk about these saints. What is, are these really just naive, goody-two-shoes you know, type people? Well, no. I'm going to give you an example. There's lots of examples. I'm going to give you an example of a famous guy, and his name is Frank. St. Francis of Assisi. Very famous guy. Anybody heard of St. Francis of Assisi? You've heard him, right? Very famous dude. Born in 1226 in Assisi, Italy. What you might not know about Francis of Assisi is his father was very wealthy, very wealthy, a wealthy textile merchant who was making very prominent in the town of Assisi, and Francis saw that the gravy train was coming his way, and he was getting prepped for and ready for a life of luxury, a boy of privilege. That's what was laid out for Francis of Assisi, except Francis was a Christian. And Francis saw the world around him, and he saw that the medieval church was corrupt, and failing in its preaching of the gospel, kind of like the church today, honestly, kind of like the church always, that we fall short of preaching the gospel. Francis saw that the, the church had become corrupted and neglected its first call, which is, the, which is the gospel. And then Francis also looked around and saw the poor of Assisi. And he was reminded of the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, which reads like this. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And he did. So Francis decided, if I'm going to be the real thing, I'm not going to be, if I'm going to be the real thing, he stood in the town center of Assisi, in the middle of all the people of the town gathered round, his father in the uh, the audience there, and Francis, in, in plain view of everyone, removed his elaborate clothing in exchange for his birthday suit. And the people laughed at him, and his father disowned him, and the town thought that Francis had lost his mind, which... And Francis then donned his famous uh, woolen, rough-hewn, brown, uh, dirty rag uh, outfit with a rope with three knots, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit around his waist, and this scrawny, barefooted, 13th-century hippie changed the world. You might not know that the Pope at the time had a vision, and the vision went something like this. The Pope, I forget who it was, you could look it up, saw the church in his vision crumbling, which it was, and a vision of a scrawny little guy in a brown bag holding it up. And then Francis asked for an audience with the Pope, and the Pope said, you're not going to believe this, Francis of Assisi, but I know about you already. Francis literally changed the world. He literally changed the world. So don't give me this nonsense of saints being sort of naive, you know, uh, uh, 
people that aren't, can't handle the real world, man, if anybody handled the real world, it was Francis. And the reason, the question is why, and the answer is simple, because Jesus had rebuilt him. Jesus rebuilt Francis. So what is a saint? A saint is a person who lives in the real world, who sees the suffering of the world, and sees the world around him or her and says, I am not going to leave it the way it is. I'm going to do something about this God being my helper. And I will say, always at great personal cost. That's what a saint does. Saints are heroes. They're tough. So where are they exactly? Where are these saints? This is a good question, and this is where I hope I get you thinking a little bit. It's actually a very good question. If you look at uh, Revelation chapter 7, uh, John describes that the saints he sees in a vision back in the first century, and they are Christians standing before God, this robed, arrayed in white robes, doing what they and we are designed to do, worshiping God standing before God, enjoying him, worshiping him, praising him. That is what you and I were designed for, friends, to praise God. Everybody praises something. And the reason we praise something is because we're designed to praise God. And only praising him is satisfying. And the saints, where are they now? Well, some of them anyway are worshiping with, worshiping with us even now. If you notice, later on in the Eucharistic liturgy, we say this every week. I'll say it in a minute. I'll sing it, actually. Chant it. And I will say, uh, therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels, joining our voices with angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn, holy, holy, holy. Well, who might those people be? Guess who they are? Saints, worshiping not out there, but here with us. The church has always believed that the church triumphant those who are in heaven, and the church militant, those on earth, worship together in some supernatural way. That we are gathered together with angels and archangels, and maybe even St. Well, Francis, the whole crew, the whole shoot match, here, worshiping with them, side by side with the saints who have gone before. And it's not just the famous ones. We know about the famous saints, right? Francis is a biggie not just the famous ones. It could be St. Francis, famous. St. Mary, famous. Theodore of Mopsuestria, not so famous, known by his friends as Teddy the Mop. But it's not just, it's not just the famous ones. It's, listen to this, the faithful departed at large. All the faithful departed. I'll give you an example. My grandmother, her name was Elizabeth Kalish before she married my grandfather, Rodriguez. My grandmother was uh, Polish, a uh, couple generations had been here for a while, but she, my grandmother, it's the funniest thing, we'd go to my grandparents' house in Yonkers, New York, where, they, where I was born and where they lived. We'd go to the Rodriguez house, we would eat kibasa for dinner. It was the weirdest thing. But she was poor, she was tough, and she taught me about Jesus. I didn't know it at the time, but she would pray with me. She also probably prayed more for me than anybody else. But honestly, you know, if she's saved, if she's saved, and I presume that she is, I don't know for sure, it's not my job. But if she's saved, and I presume that she is, then she, Elizabeth Kalish, is worshiping with me and you right now. Because she's a saint. What about you? What about you? 
do you know any saints? Do you know any, maybe, not the famous ones, but maybe the ones that aren't so famous. Maybe the ones that had a huge impact on your life. We remember them today, too. This is the feast of all saints, not just the important ones, not just the, the important, not just the famous ones, all of them. Maybe it's your mom or your dad, or your grandmother Elizabeth, maybe your spouse, maybe one of your children. Maybe it's a Christian friend who was influential in your life and has now gone on to glory, and the Lord put them in your life at exactly the right time. That's what he does, you know. There's no coincidence in his life. He puts people in our lives, in our path, right when we need them. I want to challenge you this morning, friends, to think about these things, and today thank God for the saints that he's placed in your life. And it gets even stranger. So yeah, there's saints that are dead, famous ones, dead, not so famous ones. But it gets even a little weirder. And I want to show you this. This is what people forget. There's some living saints too. I'll give you an example. In Romans chapter 1, Paul writes his introduction. Paul is a, always writes these long introductions in his epistles. And he says, chapter 1, verse 7, he goes on for six verses of one long sentence. But he says, to all those in Rome, where he's writing, who are loved by God and called to be saints. Psalm 34, which we just, the choir just sang so beautifully a moment ago, says in verse 9, Oh, fear the Lord, you, his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. You know, when I look out on this congregation, I see, I don't know, 165 of you, 170 of you. Do you know what I see? I see people in masks, socially distanced, of course. But you know what? I, I see saints, actually. Paul says, you, that, it's a second person plural, y'all who are called to be saints. I see saints in this building. I see saints sitting in your seat. A saint in the making, a person, Paul says, called to be a saint. If you are a Christian, friends, if you are saved by the blood of Jesus on the cross for your soul, then, friends, you are a saint, even now. Called to live differently? Yes. Called to live differently from the world? Yes. Called to be salt and light, both a salt, a preservative, and light that shows onto the culture in which we live? Called to be change agents? Yes. There's a saint sitting in your seat. And what do these saints do? Well, point number three, saints change the world, period. Saints are heroes that change the world, period. There's a text in Hebrews chapter 12 that describes what the saints are doing even now. Listen to this. You've heard it before. I want you to listen to this in it with what I've laid out so far. The writer of the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before. Since we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, guess what? That cloud of witnesses are saints, and they're not just dead ones. They're living ones too. Paul says, let us gather together with this cloud of witnesses, both in heaven and in this building. As we run the race, this image of a race is a repeating theme in Scripture. It's a struggle. Life is hard, man. And we are called as the church to stand side by side with one another. To run the race, whether it's with the intercessions of Saint, someone famous like St. Francis 
or your grandmother, or your son, or your friend, or the person sitting next to you in this building right now. Because see, as, as a saint, here's the thing, what saints do, what saints do, what this cloud of witnesses does, you see, saints are encouragers. Saints are examples, and they are encouragers. Why is that so important? Because everybody needs it. We are all in this life together. This life is, somebody, somebody famous once said, nasty, brutish, and short, right? But life is hard, man. You know it, so do I. But we are called as saints, both the living ones and the dead ones, to stand side by side and be encouragers of others, to be a witness to somebody else who needs it, to be called to be a hero, to be called to be a hero to someone else. Friends, the cloud of witnesses is not just them. It's us, it's you. Let me ask you a question as I wrap up. Who are the saints whom God has placed in your life to encourage you? Who are the people, even bigger, who are the people that God has placed in your life that you might encourage them? Brothers and sisters, look, we are all in this life together. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But we are called as saints to live a life a better way, to be encouraged by the saints that God has placed in our lives up to now, but also, and I think more importantly, not just to be encouraged by that and strengthened, but to be an encourager, to be a hero, to be a hero for someone else. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for all your saints, living and dead, the famous ones and the not-so-famous, the ones sitting in the seats of this church even now. Help us, Lord, to keep our own, our own call to sainthood seriously, to live our lives with joy, to be an encourager of others, and to be a hero for the people that you place in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.